0: He would have listened to Steve Jobs earlier on, started building on the Mac earlier, but he's had some success of his own, going in and grabbing Activision in 1991, out of bankruptcy at a small court in Long Island out there for 400 grand for 30%, then restructured the whole company, put it as an own, his own team, grew it over six years to over 200, 300 million bucks in revenue. He obviously has now uh, left that company, took over another company in the gaming space, ended up doing some work with Walt Disney, uh, now working on again. How ICOs and how ICOs are very similar to back in his Mortal Kombat days in the gaming industry helping people raise capital whether that's just you know investors putting in money via their credit card or again raising uh, via icos and using the blockchain this is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn each episode features revenue numbers Hello, everyone. My guest today is Howard Marks. He's the co founder and CEO at Start Engine, which is crowdfunding capital, the leader in initial coin offerings and online public offerings. He founded Startup Engine with the mission to help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams and was founder and CEO of Acclaim Games, a publisher of online games, now part of the Walt Disney Company. Before Acclaim, Mark was the co founder of Activision Blizzard and chairman of Activision Studios from 1991 until 1997. As co founder, former board member, and executive vice president of video game giant Activision, he and a partner took control in 1991 and turned the alien company into the 50 billion market cap video game industry leader it is today. As a games industry expert, Mark built one of the largest and most successful game studios in the industry, selling millions and millions of games. Mark uh, Howard, are you ready to take us to the top? Great, I am. All right, so the, gaming, especially at Activision, seems so much cooler than Start Engine. What is attracting? What's the comparison between ICOs and gaming? Are they the same thing?
1: It it is, in a way, very strange that it is. And I'll tell you why. If if anybody who's listening understands cryptocurrency, um, um, blockchain, and all of this technology, it all existed in the game industry before cryptocurrency became popular. But Bitcoin came out in January 2009. Before that, it turns out all the virtual currencies were in games. So, for example, you would go in a game. And you get a sword. It's worth fifty thousand dollars. What a sword! And then you would sell it to someone else for in-game currency or actually cash on PayPal. And so the game industry, in a way, from where I come from, for us, virtual currency, cryptocurrency, that was already in existence.
0: Mm-hmm. Take me back, because I, I it would be re- it would be very stupid for me to have the former Activision, you know, guy on the show and not ask about this. In '91, what did you see in an alien company as an asset that gave you the courage to go in and take it over?
1: Well, it's a great story. What happened was, we were in the software business. At that point, I don't know if you remember, CD-ROM software, uh, personal computers, that was a world totally different than today. You had the computers at home and the computers at work. They were not the same. And we were looking for a business to grow, and we saw Activision as a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ going bankrupt, having a huge problem with their cash flow. They were, they had over close to $20 million in debt. They had no cash. They were bleeding. And we said, you know what, let's see if we can take it over. So we, we bought 30% of the company from one investor who was a venture capitalist. We was like, you know what, I'm out. So we paid that, I think 400 grand. That was, by the way, that was, was
0: that private, was that a private deal or is this was still when it was public? It was public. Okay, so it was but, public. You know, you, the VC owned a big stake in it. You basically bought you the can, VC out
1: direct. You're allowed, you're allowed to make a private transaction with a public company. Was That's it cheaper than the stock price at the time? The stock price was under a dollar. It was bleeding. So we paid the the we actually got a huge discount from the VC as well. They didn't charge us what the stock price, because it was illiquid. You know, if you went out and said I want to buy that much, the price would go way high, right? So as a private transaction, it worked great. Now, anyway, we paid four hundred grand thirty percent. Then we sent a fax. At that time, you didn't have email. We sent a fax to the CEO. Howard, you're aging yourself. I know, I'm 55. I'm, I'm anyway, <laughs> so we, we basically sent the fax. The guy was like, who are these people? And we made a deal with the CEO saying, look, we want you out. We want to change the board. Uh, he had a list of demands. We said, fine, we'll, we'll, do, we'll pay you whatever. Anyway, we got the CEO out. We replaced the entire board. What was the revenue,
0: by the way, at this point? At the company. Uh,
1: they had about sixty. They had about forty million in revenue with sixty million of losses. It's called negative, re, ne- negative revenue, which means the cost of making those cartridges at that time cost them more than what they sold it for.
0: It's crazy. So forty million top line, sixteen million losses. You basically got thirty percent of a forty million dollar company for four hundred grand.
1: Right. Well, it was not. I mean, but here's the thing: what we saw in it, they had a library of extraordinary titles. They had. Pitfall, River Raid, they had Zork, they had MechWarrior, they had all these amazing games. But again, the company was troubled. So what we did is we took it bankrupt in um, November of 91. It was a pre-pack. We came in, we, we owned the debt. We owned the, also bought out the banks. We paid full, full dollar for the bank. That was a- You paid the full 20,
0: anyway, 20 million it. in debt though, you said, right? You paid 20 million?
1: No, $2 million, the secured debt was wow. the bank. So the bank owned the secured debt. And, you know, the bank can just foreclose on the whole thing. Yeah. So we figured, look, let's buy them out. So now we were the secured. So we had secured and we had the most shares. We didn't have a majority of the shares, but it didn't matter. So we took it bankrupt. 45 days later, we emerged from bankruptcy. And we went back to our original investors in our other company and said, look, we need some capital. So we raised $5 million brought back the company.
0: Howard, hold on real quick. I want to get in your head for a second. Were you personally rich at this point or was this, this kind of Activision no. deal kind of like your first wealth, your first big wealth event?
1: First wealth, because we put, we had to our name probably at that time in the company, a couple million dollars of cash. We were doing well, but that was it. Okay. We, had, we took everything we had and we put it all on the line.
0: Okay, so 1991,
1: and everybody
0: 91, you right. do this deal. Everybody advised us. Yeah, right. tell us and what it, you grew. It, to, to the deal. Tell us what you grew it to in '97. What was revenues and were you profitable at that point?
1: Okay, yes, we were profitable. So year after year, we were growing it. Then we got to two, three hundred million in revenue, um, profitable, um, and then the rest is history. Now it's a multi billion dollar company. How did you grow the revenue that quickly? Hits. So it turns out the game industry is a hit driven industry. So you make let's say twenty games a year, two or three are hits. Five or seven are singles and the rest are complete duds and you wish you never meet them. And that's true today, although what the industry is doing today is they're spending 100, 200 million on a game that is a franchise as a sequel. So there's less risk because you're not introducing a whole new uh, uh, intellectual property. But that's a whole different story. By the way, the entire game industry is now a SaaS model, as you probably know, software as a service, because people are now buying either a subscription or they're buying uh, pay-as-you-go, which is really where the game industry invented it and the SaaS industry took that concept, which is it's free, and then you you pay subscription or you pay as you need things
0: yep so howard i'm going to kind of go i want to talk about start engine for sure but you know disney is does such a great job and you know way more about this than i do but they do a great job at essentially buying your childhood your childhood brands and then relaunching them they own the characters and then they you know is that one of the reasons basically activision is now part of walt disney that's what they're monetizing now where all these brands you work so hard to create the hits that took off out of the 20 each year
1: no activision is independent it is um, um nearly as big as Disney or it could become bigger than Disney, but it's claim. my other game company. So what I did is after that, I went over, took over a game company that made um, uh, Mortal Kombat. I don't know if you remember that yep. game. Anyway, NBA Jam, took them over. What do you mean they take were, them over though? That's like- Well, they, they were in bankruptcy. They so both were. To, no, this one, yes. It turns out they were too. And what I did is I went to the trustee of the court in, 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 in Long Island, New York, and I made a bid. And I made a ridiculous bid. I, I offered $100,000 to buy the whole company. And people were laughing at me. The trustee laughed at me, everybody. It turns out-
0: Because you were overwhelmed because it was too low?
1: Yes. Yeah. I won. They had $250 million in revenue. How did you find this deal?
0: I mean, how did you know to go to this court in Long Island?
1: Because I, I read it in the Wall Street yeah. Journal. I, went, I, I saw in the Wall Street Journal an article saying that they just declared bankruptcy. And they're going to do is chapter seven, which is a liquidation.
0: Why did nobody else see the value in a brand like Mortal Kombat? Why why did why did they not make bids?
1: You know, I I I, I don't know. It was August. The auction was in August and what I guess year? people were uh, 2005. I think people were scared. What was the what were they losing? <laughs> what why did they went back What then? were they losing? How much were they losing each month? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were losing they were losing that much. They are probably losing 30 million a, a year, mm-hmm. but you know what happened? They couldn't file their public statements or a publicly traded company. They, their auditor fired them and they couldn't file any more their uh, and they, they file. And that's what drove the bankruptcy. Them. Well, if you can't file any more your financial statements as a publicly reporting company, the likelihood at this point is your the SEC, you're going to get delisted and SEC is going to after you. So they just bankrupt. They decide, OK, you know what? Go back, let the bankruptcy court figure out the documents.
0: Interesting. It was
1: awful. So
0: I'm going to run something by you because I I want to get your feedback on this. There are a few companies that own board games from my childhood, maybe your childhood too, that are in very, very bad financial positions. I'm looking right now at acquiring some of these assets or just doing a carve out to take that asset into VR and basically build the game in a VR ecosystem and do a massive roll up. have Have you heard of anyone doing this? Do you see similarities in that to what you did with Activision?
1: Yeah, it's totally similar. I'll tell you why Activision worked. Because we decided to go, instead of the cartridges, I don't know if you remember those big cartridges. I don't. Okay, in Atari, you have to put a cartridge in a, in a thing. I was
0: born and, in 89, so I, I don't remember.
1: All right, so you don't remember it, but you probably know what a cartridge looks like. Yeah, Those are hardware, expensive, you couldn't put much storage. The most you could put is 32 megabytes. We decided to go to CD-ROM, which you had 900 or 700 megabytes, right? Can you imagine the difference? And it cost 50 cents to make the CD where the cartridge cost $20, $30, imagine, right? The risk was gone, you couldn't have a risk anymore. So by taking that strategy of going to CD-ROM, 3D graphics and video, we ushered a whole new world. And what you're thinking about the VR is the same thing, is you're ushering a new world. Your Your strategy is to take existing properties like we did, like Pitfall, Zork, McWarrior, all these things. By the way, MechWarrior was a board game into a new world, which is CD ROM 3D graphics, it worked. Because why? People love those properties. The brands. The same thing with board games.
0: Interesting. Well, we'll chat more offline about that. Um, let's fast forward. How is the game Mortal Kombat like the game cryptocurrency? What 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 are you building at Start Engine?
1: So Start Engine is a modern financial firm. And our mission is to help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams. And the idea was very simple, is to help people raise capital. Why? When I, I invested in about 60 different companies here in LA, in Los Angeles, most of them went out of business. Why? They couldn't raise money. Why couldn't they raise money? They didn't fit the VC model. VCs typically only invest in white males from Stanford. You know, these kinds of exact people that they want. Plus the idea has to be in their favor. The geography has to be in their favor, but what is everybody else supposed to do? Yep. Women, people of minorities, people who live around the country, people who are doing new ideas that don't fit the VC model. What are they supposed to do? They can go to friends, they may get some angels, but so we decide to build a solution for them where they can raise money from the crowd and the crowd becomes their advocate. And we've raised money for over hundred companies so far. This year, we're gonna raise money for 500 companies.
0: How does this, how are the work in crypto? I mean, is this real money or are these tokens and cryptocurrency kind of things?
1: So we have both. Um, every, mode, the big volume is in dollars. People are investing using credit cards, ACH, which is from their bank or wires. And now, in recently, we've allowed Bitcoin and Ether investments into what you call ICO, initial coin offerings. These are companies, instead of issuing shares, they're issuing tokens, but those tokens are also considered securities.
0: Yeah. And so, and so how do you, I mean, describe to me the legal ramifications of doing that versus just, you know, helping people like I'm reading about golf boards, surfing the earth, $2,500 minimum investment closing in seven days on your website. They've raised a million bucks. It's just pure money. I think there, what's, yes. what's the difference from a securities and a legal perspective between the two?
1: Okay. So until we came into the picture Everybody who was doing an ICO were raising uh, tokens as a toy, like a utility token. They were not viewed as a security, they were viewed as a service, software service. So you would issue a token for $5, that would allow you to use that token to get a service, let's say for example, an ID verification for $5, except that because there's a secondary market for it, these things were trading for five times, 10 times what they were initially issued of. It became like a, a stock. Well, in order to be a stock, you have to be regulated. You have to file with the SEC documents. They were not doing that. And guess what? The SEC came up recently, and I wrote an article about it, and they are very upset, and they want the marketplace to realize that they're they're violating, it's fraud. So So you're
0: securitized. That's the big difference. We
1: we securitize everything, and we're doing everything by the book, and Think about this. We're able to issue shares in a company for pennies on the dollar where it used to be you'd go to a broker and say, hey, I want to raise money. Unless you're raising millions, they won't do it for you because it's too expensive. Yeah. So if, we are- if you've
0: securitized this and there aren't tokens, I mean, you're just selling equity in companies, whether it's with a credit card or someone. I mean, I don't really understand. How does crypto actually play into those deals? I mean, if you're not selling okay. tokens.
1: Very easy. There's $300 billion in the world of crypto Bitcoin, Ether, 300 billion of value. They have a need to invest. Why? Right? They want to diversify the portfolio, just not own Bitcoin or they want to own many coins, right? So they go and look for anybody who's issuing them and they go in on the website and they, they transfer from their Bitcoin wallet to the, to the wallet in the company and the company gives them the tokens. And then they take those tokens and they go into the exchanges and they sell them for more money. Interesting. It's a huge business.
0: Interesting.
1: And the whole premise is all those ICO companies, the initial coin offerings, are mostly SaaS companies.
0: Yep. Yep. Really interesting, Howard. Okay, good. If people want to check it out, what's the website so they can see more?
1: They go to www.startengine.com and they can see our offerings.
0: Very good. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, Howard, what's the last business book you read?
1: I'm reading now a book on um, the financial bubbles. Which is uh, explaining how, since the last 300 years, how the bubbles work and why no one ever believes they'll burst and they end up bursting anyway.
0: What's the name of the title? Is it called Financial Bubbles?
1: Um, <laughs> you know what? You caught caught me uh, off I, guard. I I, <laughs> I I can I'll t- I'll email you. The, okay. Perfect. You can put it for your readers, but it's an old book. I had to go get them on Amazon as a used book. Okay. It's not available anymore.
0: Number two, uh, tell me uh, about a CEO or a leader. You really like having coffee or dinner with there in uh, West Hollywood or LA
1: uh, Elon Musk. What's
0: <laughs> What's he, what's he is, like in person?
1: I, I, I don't know him. I'd like to meet him. Um, I don't know him, but he is uh, a big inspiration because he wants our country to become more competitive and to, Basically, create bigger challenges than we've done in the past, and I think that's a great inspiration for where we need for your 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 listeners. You know, for them, the SaaS business is probably the only way a software model is going to work, but it's going to transform itself into the ICO model, which is the blockchain, because it's the logical progression. You know, Internet 1.0, Internet 2.0, now cryptocurrency blockchain takes it to a whole new level, and and I think it's important for people to be challenged Mm -hmm. with new ideas and new technologies.
0: Number three, what is your favorite online tool for growing your businesses besides your own?
1: Um, That we use um, a lot? Well, I would say right now, we're using a lot of MailChimp for emails, which is very, very good uh, software product, and Salesforce, of course. Uh, Salesforce is really our central system we use for managing all our customer interactions.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: I sleep about seven to seven and a half hours.
0: That's good, Howard. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids?
1: Married with two kids, 15 and 13. Two kids. And, and yeah, two kids. I'm working very hard on raising, hopefully, future generation of leaders.
0: That's good. And you said you're 55, right? Yeah. Last question. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What do you wish he knew?
1: Well, I met Steve Jobs when I was 20 years old at uh, at Apple because he wanted to buy my company. I was in college. I was an entrepreneur. And uh, he gave me a lot of advice then, and I didn't follow it. And I wish I did. Name I one. Just Name a piece actors. of it. Well, he said, you know, he, he, we were using our the, – the software we, we made was called Jane. It was for the Apple II. He said, you you should be working on the Mac. And we were like, eh, Mac is not going to work because that was before the Mac was launched. It was 1984. And then we're like, yeah, we don't think, we're gonna stick with the Apple II, big mistake. We didn't understand how platforms shift and change, right? And then also he said our user interface, we we're using the, the verb noun, and he said you should use noun, verb, user interface. And we're like, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about.
0: That's an information we, architecture.
1: Yeah, he was 100% right. Yeah. 100%. So you know what? I think that the most important thing entrepreneurs should know is get a great mentor and really listen doesn't mean you have to follow everything they say. But the the wisdom they offer is really important.
0: There, you guys have it from Howard again. He would have listened to Steve Jobs earlier on, started building on the Mac earlier. But he's had some success of his own, going in and grabbing Activision in 1991 out a bankruptcy at a small court in Long Island out there for 400 grand for 30 percent. Then restructured the whole company, put it as an own, his own team, grew it over six years to over 200, 300 million bucks in revenue. He obviously has now uh, left that company, took over another company in the gaming space, ended up doing some work with Walt Disney, uh, now working on again how I. ICOs and how ICOs are very similar to back in his Mortal Kombat days in the gaming industry, helping people raise capital, whether that's just, you know, investors putting in money via their credit card or again, raising uh, via ICOs and using the blockchain. He's excited about it. Howard, thank you so much
1: for taking us to the top. Thank you.